Grind like today makes it or breaks it. Hustle like you never have before. And thrive on the fruits of your labor. Hustle, grind, thrive, repeat. This is Thrive Kings. Here's your host, Craig Fountain. Welcome to the Thrive Kings podcast. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of DealerCraze. DealerCraze provides data-driven marketing solutions to automobile retailers and their sales personnel. Our guest is also the founder of MediaAmp Inc. And their services include social media management, advertising, web design, SEO, influencer marketing, and lead generation solutions. Furthermore, our guest was the subject of a documentary titled InstaFame after accumulating over 80,000 followers on Instagram and has been featured in a number of publications, including the Washington Post and Vice. It's my pleasure to introduce Sean McGuire. How's your day going, Sean? How are you doing, Craig? Thanks for having me. Day's going great so far. Appreciate you coming on. Now, I want to focus our show on your current ventures, but I have to ask, what was your experience with social media fame, especially as a teenager like? Oh, it was was great. Uh, I can't complain. Uh, It was definitely new, uh, especially when I did it. It wasn't as normalized as social media and uh, being an influencer is today so it was it was not really looked up upon it was kind of looked down upon everyone thought it was weird it was something new it was crazy no one really understood it and to be honest i didn't really understand it myself either but it was definitely a crazy time i did it for about four years it was a great experience and it kind of led me to where i am today so i got to know social media from beginning till now it was interesting to me because i connected to you i come from the automobile industry so we were connected already through linkedin and when i was looking for some guests that might fit our podcast i came across you because you run dealer craze and media amp and i thought it would be interesting to connect with somebody especially in a space that I was really familiar with. But I didn't at the time when I reached out to you, I didn't know about this documentary. And I was doing some research for the episode and I came across the documentary and watched it. And you were, what? how old were you, 14 when all this went down? Uh, Yeah, about 14. I was a freshman in high school. I watched the documentary and you were like walking around Times Square and there were like people lining up to take photos with you. And, and it was legitimate like, instant fame from what it looked like was it overwhelming for you or was it a positive experience it was a great experience i didn't say i think at first it was a little overwhelming um and then i kind of got used to it when i used to go to my local mall and i would get mobbed and thrown out and you know i had my fair shares of going on social media tours uh hanging out with some really incredible people who are now basically celebrities still connected with them uh, so it was, it was a very, really positive experience. If I can go back and do it all over again, I, yeah, I would. It, it's very interesting to me because I can't really understand what that must have been like, especially at that age. Coming from social media fame and, and having found that being a subject of a documentary, what led to your transition into more of an entrepreneurship venture as opposed to trying to capitalize strictly on social media influencing? If you really think about it, influencers are entrepreneurs. They are their own brand uh they have you know many things that they have to monetize on their own to to either make it or break it and uh, to sustain that in some way shape or form uh so i guess i was kind of in in the entrepreneurship game or entrepreneurial game from an early age it was and business was always something i was interested in as well um and i figured what better way than to go into the social media business since i already have all of it in the back end and i already know all about it what led you to starting your first company what was the initial goal was it simply 
strictly social media management or like did it develop organically into, you know, you're offering social media management, but also the advertising on the social media side. Uh, you're doing the web design, SEO, all that good stuff. Did that, did you do all that at once or did, was it kind of a step-by-step -step organic growth? No, yes, yeah, so it was It was really step-by-step -step organic growth. We actually started out the company with social media growth. So we were doing uh, Instagram growth for small little mom and pop companies or local businesses or e-commerce brands. And then as we were doing that, I was personally training on Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, Instagram ads, and all the other big techie stuff. And then we kind of transitioned in from, from more of a social media growth agency to an actual marketing agency. So it was a kind of like a step-by-step -step process that took about four months to establish before we actually offered those services. So you're marketing to, like you said, mom and pop businesses and, and e-commerce businesses. And it, it seems like it was kind of a broad spectrum of businesses that, that you were doing business with. How did you find yourself in a niche like automobile retail? That's, that's, a, that's a pretty tight niche. Yeah, it's tight, it's tough, and it's not easy to get into. Uh, luckily for me, around two and a half years ago, I worked at a car dealership. Uh, cars have been a passion of mine since I was younger. So when I went to work at a car dealership as a salesman, I got to know the operations from the inside. Their budgets, the way they do their marketing, the way they handle leads, the way they run their Facebook and their Instagram. And I came back to my drawing board and I said, you know what? This is something I can be in. Like I can definitely make a difference in this industry. You know, besides my knowledge of social media and the marketing as a whole, I have the knowledge inside operations as a sales guy. And the sales guys are the ones who handle, you know, 95% of the leads day to day. Um, so that's how I found myself in the automobile retail space with our agency dealer craze. So you found yourself working in a car dealership. Did you strictly do sales? Yeah, I was strictly sales. From my background, I initially started off as a salesperson, moved on to digital marketing, and then into a finance management position and ultimately into a, a general sales management role. I dealt with companies like Dealer Craze all the time. What sets you apart from other digital marketing companies that serve dealerships? Well, there's a big difference between us and the rest. We actually create campaigns, not just ads. What I mean by that is we have our own process. We have our own system. We know what works and what doesn't work compared to the other uh, little boutique agencies that just throw up any campaign into thin air and say, hopefully someone catches it, right? So we are Facebook marketing partners, not just Facebook as a whole, but Facebook's auto and auto industry because uh, Facebook has their own little like little auto spec auto section so we're partners with them so we actually have you know help and resources directly from the source of where we're advertising do you focus more just on marketing to the automotive retail industry or are you still working with other platforms or other niches so on the media amp side we are working with other niches on dealer cray side it's purely automotive during your growth as an entrepreneur while you were starting these these agencies and, and growing them, what were some of your biggest hurdles? Ooh, uh, there's a lot of them, really. Uh, client acquisition, uh, client retention, results, uh, lead gen for ourselves, you know, just setting up systems. There, there was so many hurdles. What went into, you, you, start, you start this media agency, how did you land your first client? Uh, my first client ever was uh, when, well, obviously after the whole uh, social media growth that we were doing, uh, but for actual Facebook advertising and uh, the real digital marketing stuff that we're doing now, uh, I was just going on honestly Craigslist, which is really weird, but they have this little job section and postings. And I landed on the 
web and ad, I believe that section is called. And I was just doing cold calls from there for companies and individuals looking to hire a contractor. Did you have to get in front of a lot of people in order to land that first client? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was about 100 phone calls a day, 100 cold calls a day, uh, 250 cold emails a day until I got even a, a response, whether it was positive or negative. That definitely sounds like a grind, but it, it, it seems like it's working out. Now from there, as far as growth for your agency, is are you a one-man show or do you have a number of employees that work for you? We have five employees on Dealer Craze and four employees on Mediamp. Outstanding. So what are your experiences like dealing with managers of automotive dealerships? From firsthand experience, uh, it can be kind of a rough crowd and a tough sell. And generally, sales managers and dealership managers, they generally have very abrasive personalities. It's really hard to get their attention. Um, what's it like dealing with that on a day-to-day -day basis? For me, it's just speaking their language, you know, um, just kind of reacting to how they're speaking and saying it back so they can understand it. So if they're gonna talk in an aggressive tone, I'll talk back in an aggressive tone. If they'll talk in a calm tone, I'll talk back in a calm tone. Uh, that's how I kind of got away with, you know, really having conversations and booking meetings with these general managers or fleet managers or even owners of dealerships, depending, you know, how big they are. It, it's still a struggle though, you know, like you said before, uh, managers at dealerships can be a tough a tough sell or even a tough conversation just to, just to have. Coming from a sales position, when you're in automotive sales and you're on the sales floor, uh, one of your responsibilities, other than selling cars, your primary responsibility, is in most dealerships, you're answering the phones. Some dealerships have like a business development center where they have basically a call center and that's handled for the salespeople. But in my experience, salespeople are also gatekeepers, which makes it tough to actually get to the person that you need to talk to in, in order to get in front of somebody. Do you have any advice for anybody in the automotive retail space that's trying to get a hold of decision makers at dealerships as far as getting past the gatekeeper oh yeah so my biggest advice is to actually research the dealership and find out who the gate who the decision maker is before making the call find out their name find out their email find out their direct number to their to their office find out everything you can about them so when you call the dealership if the gatekeeper answers you know Let's say the general manager or the owner's name is Bob, right? Say, hey, can I, uh, is Bob in? Pretend like you, like you already know them for years, right? Pretend like you know them for years. Have that tone of voice and they'll direct you with them right away. Or sometimes they'll say, oh, he's not in at the moment. Can I leave a message? Once they do that, never leave a message because they'll never call you back. Because then you actually have to say who you are and where you're calling from. And they never like hearing from marketing companies. So I will actually just research the dealership the name of the general manager or the owner and just call up and say, hey, uh, let me speak to Bob, please. I'll just request to speak to him. I won't even ask if he's in and they'll connect me right away. Do you still personally do all the cold calling and reaching out and the emails and the networking? Are you still the backbone of that part of your operation? Not as much as I used to be. Uh, right now our outreach is, I have one girl that does outreach all day, 24 seven, up to 500 emails a day, LinkedIn, LinkedIn outreach, Facebook, Instagram, all that. But th there are days where I just sit back and say, you know what, let me just see, let me just network with more individuals. And that's where LinkedIn comes in for me as a whole. I get to network with a lot of automobile owners and general managers and sales managers. Uh, or sometimes if I'm driving around, I see a dealership and I think that they have great potential. I'll just walk in, cold walk, you know, say, hey, is the general manager in? 
and just have a conversation if he's available. Based on the niche you're in now, do you intend to offer any additional services in the future to car dealerships? Yes, um, we are working on a few things right now. Uh, we actually just launched our own CRM for our clients that comes packed with automatic texting and emailing and email blasts and text blasts and Facebook ads reporting, Google ads reporting, call stats, call tracking, funnel builders, so for landing pages, um, uh, messaging straight from the CRM to your Facebook uh, messenger uh, texting straight from the CRM to your leads or whoever appointment book and calendar so all that good stuff that can help them uh, with lead nurturing but aside from that we're kind of headed into a direction of turning dealer craze into more of an ad tech company than an ad service company CRMs are difficult there is a lot of moving parts in a CRM they have to they have to fulfill so many different functions uh, it's really hard to find one that's well-rounded um, I've worked with a lot of them that that have the the greatest functionality you can ever imagine, but they're clunky, they're tough to navigate. It there's a huge learning curve with them, which a lot of dealership personnel aren't really uh, open to uh, that type of learning curve. Um, other ones are beautiful, easy to navigate, but the functionality isn't as complete. As some of the other ones so what is the impact that the pandemic were coming out of at this point what kind of impact is that having on your agency and what kind of impact do you see it having on your clientele believe it or not yes it was rough in the beginning a lot of our dealerships based out in new york jersey and california uh which are three states that got heavily impacted by covid19 and they had to shut their doors for a while coming out of it now uh they're starting to come back and they're operating on a small scale but they're still advertising but they're actually spending more on social ad now what does it look like in the automobile business right now from a lead generation standpoint uh are you seeing any trends as far as buyers are buyers coming back to the market or are they still kind of waiting for the dust to settle so to speak so that's the thing the buyers never left the market believe it or not uh, a lot of people are actually using their stimulus checks that they've received from the government Government to put down as a down payment or allow them you know files for unemployment and they're getting you know a lot of money every single week so they're they can actually more buyers can afford cars now than ever I know that might sound really weird some may some people may disagree but there are more buyers coming into the market than there was before COVID-19 and we've seen that just by the amount of leads that we've been able to generate and the cost per lead actually has tremendously gone down. I completely agree with that. It hasn't been that long since I've been out of the dealership. I was actually still working in a general sales management role during the majority of the pandemic until recently and the buyers never stopped coming in. Now the lenders were getting a little conservative and there were some other things going on but the automobile industry as a whole I think was handling it very very well. And I think that agencies like yours have really dialed in the marketing techniques needed to continue to drive the traffic. Traffic is the key to everything for dealerships. As far as dealer craze and media amp and in the new CRM you're you're working with, do you see any other ventures coming up in your future? Yeah, I recently started one actually in uh in the state of California. Um my business partner, I have a business partner in that venture. Uh, we actually do influencer marketing and brand management. So we work with influencers from, you know, TikTok and YouTube and Instagram, you know, highly, highly ranked influencers. They're basically like A-list celebrities. And we partner up with majority, you know, big national known brands that are looking for uh, influencer campaigns or influencer engagement 
or brand awareness from influencers for their product. Uh, so that's what we have going on in Los Angeles. If any business owner has a, you know, a product that they want to promote with influencers or pretty much anything, uh, they can reach me at either LinkedIn or they can email me to the email for that company, which is Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at fivestarprojects.com. Now, with being involved in with influencer marketing stuff, you're you're definitely still very involved with social media. What are you still as active on Instagram as you used to be when you had your eighty thousand plus followers? No, definitely not. When I so the most I've ever had on Instagram was one hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, so that that video was taking in the middle of before I got to almost twenty okay. thousand. Uh, I decided to to take a step back from the influencer world. Uh, pretty much the end of high school, I kind of deleted all my accounts, my YouTube channel, my Vine account, pretty much everything. Uh, I just didn't want to be in it anymore. I thought there was bigger things for me. But if I knew what it would turn into now, I probably would have stayed. Sure. Um, it, there's no know. telling. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It just the way it grew, the way it transformed, it's it's unbelievable. Social media as a whole grew, you know, unexpectedly, like over the past four years, it's it's grew to something that no one has ever seen before. And it's not even at its peak yet. And I think social media is here to stay for, for a long, long time because I don't think anything else will take over its place the way it is now. So aside from that, you know, with, so with Instagram and stuff, I still post, you know, my personal Instagram, but I don't really do the whole content thing anymore, at least not yet. Um, I'm, I'm really, really focused on growing, growing my brands. From your perspective, both as a connector between businesses and influencers on social media, Providing social media advertising and social media management to your clients, what is your outlook on specific social media forms? Specifically, say, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Is there one we don't know about yet? So TikTok is probably the number one platform right now as far as engagement. Um, from a marketer's point of view, TikTok is great for brands trying to get engagement for their product, but it's not as good as social ads as it is on Facebook and Instagram. And I think TikTok is still trying to develop that ads platform. They do have an ads platform that you have to sign up for. Thankfully, we got access to it as an agency, so we can actually run ads on TikTok. We've tested a few, a few brands on there. Uh, I didn't really like the results as much as I did with Facebook and Instagram. I don't think their ads platform is as fully developed, but I know that they'll come around to it. They're, they're a pretty, pretty sharp platform. Is there still value in Facebook and Instagram? Of course, of course. There, there will always be value in Facebook and Instagram. The amount of active monthly users on there is, is insane. Granted, different, different products should not be advertised on both platforms. Uh, some products do better or some products and services do better on Facebook ads and some do better on Instagram ads and some do equally as well on both. Uh, it really depends on what you're trying to market and who you're trying to market to. And when I'm saying who you're trying to market to is really the demographic and age that you're trying to, to hit. So it seems like on Facebook, the idea of being able to organically discover content uh, and in turn for content providers to be found organically is kind of gone by the wayside. So what would your what's your recommendation for somebody that's starting a business to actually acquire an audience on Facebook? To acquire an audience on Facebook, I would think is with a Facebook organically, it's gonna be tough. Facebook wants you to pay them. You know, that's why it's so easy to gain traffic with Facebook. That's why the clicks are so cheap. That's why the engagement is so high for such a low rate. So for anyone starting a business, I would definitely, definitely encourage doing paid ads on Facebook for your business. Because even if you're not getting leads, you can at least 
generate brand awareness for your brand's name or for yourself if you're if your business is you if that makes sense absolutely now with instagram i feel like it's kind of the other way around or at least it was the idea was. was the idea was that you could post content and it could be found organically based on hashtags uh things of that nature and it was it's it seemed maybe not for you uh, but for for a lot of folks, it's, it's kind of tough to gain an audience on there. But once you have that audience, they it seems as though they tend to engage better than, say, a Facebook audience. Do you think Instagram is going to, especially now that they're owned by Facebook, do you think that they are going to transition to more of the Facebook model where you're going to have to pay to get discovered? I don't think they will because Instagram is known for... I mean, obviously, granted, the, the algorithms have changed and, you know, the engagement rate is not as it used to be when before Facebook bought it. Uh, but I don't think they're going to change the way exposure is on Instagram. If they do, they're going to lose the platform, in my opinion. For anyone trying to get organic engagement and a lot of it, TikTok is probably the best way to go. It's the only platform where you can put up a video today and wake up to 100,000 views and 10,000 followers. You know, it's like, the, it's like the old Instagram. Are you actively involved in TikTok or uh, is this something that uh, you're coaching your clients on? I'm actively involved in TikTok. Yeah, I like the platform. It's pretty fun. I, I sometimes I, sometimes I make some, some pretty funny videos that I want to say. Uh, one of my videos has 1.3 million views. So yeah, so just think about how that organic engagement on TikTok can benefit brands. It, it's got to be kind of scary, especially if, if you're looking at your at your automobile clientele. TikTok has to be a pretty scary platform because it's different than anything they've ever seen before. Uh, with Instagram, uh, that's even, I believe, still pretty tough for dealerships to wrap their mind around. Facebook seems to be like the the comfort zone if i'm a salesperson how can i best utilize instagram and TikTok? do you have any ideas as far as what type of content i would want to be posting to actually uh drive traffic to myself yeah so luckily for you know TikTok, if you look at it six months ago it was a bunch of young kids right it still is a bunch of young kids but now there are more people on there that are in the older age range and a lot of different interests on there now so the, the, the auto space on TikTok has blown up. There's a lot of car guys on there, a lot of car girls on there, a lot of luxury people on there that love luxury cars or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're a sales guy at a dealership and you want to really get that engagement and your name out there, start being creative with your content and post videos every single day of the cars on the lot. You know, be creative. There's so many ways around it. You just have to put in, a, you know, maybe 2% effort. It's not that complicated. So as far as uh, sales personnel at dealerships, uh, I noticed that you've been posting on LinkedIn that you're actually offering services directly to a salesperson. What are those services uh, that you offer to them? So it's going to be the same same services as we provide for the dealership as a whole, but just for the sales salesmen. So it's going to be on a lower scale that they can actually operate in. Because the way we do it for dealerships as a whole, it's on a large scale. So the amount of leads that they're going to get uh, as a dealership as a whole is going to be a lot more than they will as a regular salesman. For a salesperson, and I don't know if people that are outside of the automotive space may realize this, but a modestly sized dealership, let's say a dealership that's in a, 
uh, town population, 20 to 30,000 sells 100 cars a month. Uh, they're spending upwards of 40 or $50,000 a month in advertising. Yeah, sometimes uh, even more. Yeah. Sometimes even more. And uh, salespeople obviously can't afford that that type of budget. What kind of affordability factor is it? And is it a hurdle for you as, as a provider of this service uh, to make it affordable but still have an impact for your salespeople? So it's not a hurdle, and I'll explain this in the best way possible compared to other agencies. A lot of other agencies outsource their work to other contractors so they're paying a premium price per client luckily for us is all my marketing managers and marketing directors are in-house so they're all on payroll so there's really no hurdle in in a price gap in the, in the price gap so like we don't have to charge you know five thousand dollars a month to make a profit for a salesperson uh that's interested in your services to generate leads specifically for them or manage their social media etc they can contact you at uh sean at mediaamp.agency is there any advice in particular if somebody's listening to this and they're an entrepreneur and they're they're just kind of they have these ideas what's your advice to them on how to get going and make their ideas come to fruition? The best advice I can give them is just to get started. The more, the more you think about it, the more you wait, someone else is going to probably has the same thoughts as you and they're going to start it before you. I think, especially if you're young, like I'm only 22 right now. Um, you also have to have that mindset of that, you know, you're, you shouldn't be scared to fail. And if you have an idea and you like it, just jump on it right away and learn as you go. That's what we did. You know, we started the agency as just an Instagram growth platform. We didn't know about Facebook ads or Instagram ads or Google ads or SEO. We had the idea of it, but we just wanted to get started. So we started off with Instagram growth and then transitioned into the bigger thing later. At 22 years old, dealing with dealership management, is that is that a hurdle in itself? Um, they don't They don't look at me as an authority. They look at me as just a kid, but little do they know, my, my back end with social media is, is a lot. <laughs> it's hectic. Uh, so they don't, they don't take me serious at, at all times, um, which I'm okay with it. They, they soon realize that I'm serious when we provide the results for them. So sometimes it's a little more of a hassle to get them to listen to me, especially because of how young I am. You know, you can take a 40-year-old and sit them down with a general manager and have a conversation for an hour. And then I walk in, they'll brush me off. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got to be tough. And, and the car business is very old-fashioned, kind of like we talked before. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to anybody that's listening, that's inter interested in entrepreneurship, or anything related to your ventures? Yeah, uh, with entrepreneurship is don't get... I'm trying to word this in the best way possible. Sure. Don't get attached to your product, but get attached to the end goal. And what I mean by that is if you're starting a company now or just, you know, a side hustle, don't be scared to, to leave it and jump on to the next thing. Because that first thing that you try might not be the thing that gets you to, the, to your end goal. But the next thing will. And what I mean by don't get attached is sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get attached to our first business, right? It's our little baby. We want to protect it at all costs. And we try and we fight. We fight as much as we can to make it happen. Sometimes it's just not meant for you. So don't be attached to the product that you're starting, but be attached to the goal that you have. And once I learned that, 
I was really able to to take off. All right, so Sean, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was great having you. Lots of great advice, lots of great insight into social media, advertising, the automotive retail space, and entrepreneurship. Good luck to you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Kings. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher Radio to never miss an episode of the Thrive Kings podcast.